0: Your news program every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM.
1: So a record high number of aftershocks following earthquakes that claimed at least 44 lives in Japan since the end of last week, or around 10 times that number, Uh, is the death toll in ecuador following a massive apparently unrelated quake over the weekend but both countries do sit along the so-called ring of fire and to discuss how concerned we should be about this pacific belt where 90 percent of all earthquakes and 80 percent of significant earthquakes take place let's bring in michael e oskin professor of geology at the university of california davis good morning from seoul good morning Uh, thanks for joining us so I mean, when I look at this map, I mentioned this briefly before when uh, building up to this interview, uh, the Korean Peninsula is dangerously close. Can you just tell us what this ring of fire is? Does it just describe um, a coincidence of of, uh, seismic activity, or is there something geologically responsible for it?
0: Uh, Well, the original observation is that that's where a lot of the world's volcanoes are, is around the Pacific coastline. Um, all around the whole basin. And then later on, when uh, geoscientists figured out how plate tectonics worked, that was linked together to the earthquakes and ultimately to plate boundaries that are also along those, um, near those coastlines.
1: Right. But when you have a country like South Korea that on the map looks very close to the Ring of Fire, is it possible to be affected by its sphere of influence? Um,
0: That portion of Asia does have um, faulting that is behind the plate boundary. So Japan is right next to um, the boundary between the Pacific and the Philippine plates that both then um, collide and subduct beneath Japan. Um, And Korea is behind that. But there is um, distributed faulting and earthquakes that occur through the interior of East Asia, uh, even in Korea and up into Russia. I don't think that Korea and it's not very active, but I don't
1: think earthquakes are unheard of there. No, not unheard of in a, in a lower range, but you know, I suspect that we're not really geared up to deal with uh, an earthquake above seven magnitude, and that's what's worrying. And and also, there's been this recent research talking about Pekdu San in North Korea uh, perhaps mm-hmm. being much more active than many would like to hear.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not very familiar with the details in Korea. I do. Colleagues that have worked over there in a consulting capacity, and that I do know there's active faulting, um, along, particularly along the east coast of Korea, I believe, but
1: I don't know the details. No, no and we appreciate that. It's just uh, concerning when we now focus more broadly on the Ring of Fire that uh, that it's just not too far away from where we happen to be. I mean, the earthquake in Ecuador that measured 7.8 on the Richter scale—it's one of the country's biggest ever uh... but uh... was there anything unusual about it uh, as devastating as it was
0: um, no it's not unusual at all for that part of the world and in fact there have been bigger earthquakes in that portion of um, the plate boundary offshore ecuador in the past so it is devastating um, but that size is not unusual at all for that kind of system
1: what does seem to be unusual though is that in japan we've seen hundreds of aftershocks, some of which have been very strong. And and I know that local scientists have been rather puzzled by that as well as obviously concerned for the potential human impact. What would you make of that?
0: Uh, The level of aftershock activity does vary from one earthquake to the next. Um, Certainly the sequence in Japan is of a lot of interest. It was also a pretty strong foreshock to that earthquake. There was a a magnitude 6 7.6, point six believe that was the day before the 7.0. So that kind of short-term earthquakes triggering each other is very interesting for uh, obvious reasons. So um, I think there's probably still concern about what could be forthcoming there. Um, essentially, uh, a larger earthquake is just that we have a foreshock to it. That larger earthquake is just an aftershock that happens to be bigger than the original one, and so then the original one becomes the foreshock to that next one. It's mm-hmm. um, not unheard of for that to happen.
1: But once you've had a, an intense period of activity, do things tend to go quiet for a little bit, or, or is Japan still at risk of uh, of an even greater quake or a similar level in, in the coming days?
0: Well, the aftershock activity will decline um, over time. That's um, what is observed. Uh, And as that declines, also the risk of one of those aftershocks being bigger declines as well. Um, But certainly while the activity is high, the concern will be high.
1: Ecuador, though, happened within uh, just hours of of those uh, major quakes in Japan, the two biggest ones. And it's obviously part of this ring of fire, despite being on the other side of the Pacific Ocean. Could we have expected that? Is it a complete coincidence? It's a complete coincidence.
0: Um, the Earth is very big. Uh, the changes in forces in the Earth from one of those earthquakes affecting the other um, are not significant. So the earthquake rupture in Japan a rupture a fault a few tens of maybe up to a hundred kilometers long at most. And the change in force in the Earth from what the energy that earthquake released Is only really felt over a few lengths like that, so about about 100 kilometers or 200 kilometers away. So Ecuador being thousands of kilometers on the other side of the ocean basin
1: uh, did not feel that earthquake at all. It's a coincidence. Okay, but you can understand why lay people looking on might think, gosh, the world's suddenly uh, shaking and uh, we're being... Affected by more earthquakes these days than before it, it always happens to be when there's a cluster of natural disasters that we wonder what's going on with our with our planet but uh, again in the broader scheme of things, just as you said with ecuador there's nothing particularly unusual about what we 've seen except for maybe the the pattern of the aftershocks in japan uh,
0: yes that's correct there's nothing unusual um, in the close timing of these earthquakes of magnitude seven happen just you know ten or more per year. It's a matter of whether they uh, impact a place that has a high population density and mm. uh, it's cause a lot of damage or not. Um, so this is a case where we had two you know modest to large size earthquakes that both hit populated regions um, right next to each, to each other in time, although very far from each other in distance.
1: Are there periods, though, where the Ring of Fire becomes particularly active, and, and is there any way of forecasting that?
0: Uh, no, not there is no observation that of periods where the whole system becomes more active than others. Um, there's certainly within regions there's activity that waxes and wanes. We had this very large earthquake in Japan a few years ago in 2011, and activity that followed on that. Um, in Japan as well. Um, so earthquakes are known to cluster, but
1: on the whole scale, of the Pacific Basin, that's a little too large to really expect that. Mm. Coming back to what I said about forecasting, though, how do you feel about that, uh, that area of expertise? Is it evolving? Are we getting better at understanding seismic shifts and so on?
0: Well, we are... Uh Could hope someday to be as good as the weather forecast but we're nowhere near that yet certainly short-term forecasting understanding that earthquakes will locally trigger other earthquakes just like we saw in japan with the smaller earthquake and then a larger one that followed up there's a real process there that we want to understand better um and could help improve short-term hazard predictions Um, and so that and just the fact that we can predict aftershocks that they're going to be declining over time um that's you know that's real science there that is something that can be done but sort of looking across the whole world and trying to correlate patterns that's non-physical does <laughs> mm. not but you know locally that, that that's real We're, people are working on that and trying to
1: improve it well michael eoskin thank you very much for for taking the time and for addressing um outside of your area of expertise the situation here in korea because there is this natural tendency to wonder how vulnerable we all are to all this. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Professor Michael E. Oskin from UC Davis. Uh, and as always, our email's open to you, morning at gmail.com. Uh, still to come in the next half hour, we'll be going on location. We'll be getting our latest Soul City news as well. And uh, you can text us at any time too. sharp 1013 for 51 per message.